You're listening to curated podcasts from the Beyond Infinity radio show, presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Piers Cunningham and John Young talking today on Beyond Infinity, uh, an interesting subject that uh, we're covering, and that is Australia's approach to Google and Facebook via the ACCC, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. Their website, accc.gov.au. They are looking at digital platforms and they have a draft, which is, it's called the Draft News Media Bargaining Code. And we will post links for this, but it's... uh, Yeah, because it was early in 2020, in April of 2020, that the Australian government actually asked the ACCC to, you know, create a code around um, bargaining power imbalances between the news media and digital platforms. So this, so the ACCC is, you know, my understanding is kind of, you know, the enforcement arm, if you will, and the government is the one that that has requested this. And, you know, we'll get to it a bit later, but I I look to it, who's been asking the government specifically in this? But anyway, let's touch upon that a bit later. Well, exactly. And and you do have to ask yourself why um, the industry or uh, the, the big companies, because there's not that many of them in Australia, let's face it. I mean, there's there's News Corporation and there's uh, there's things like the, the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, which are actually owned by Nine Media, as in uh, Channel Nine. There's only a few big players in media in Australia. You'd reckon, you know, what would stop them just negotiating directly with uh, Facebook and Google on this issue and setting prices on shared, locally sourced news content, which is which is what's at issue. The originators of of, of of journalism in Australia, they're saying, well, we pay our journalists, they go to uni, they learn their trade, we pay them, um, and yet uh, a lot of uh, material winds up on Facebook and Google to the benefit of those platforms, to the benefit of, of users of Facebook, uh, w- without us um, you know, sharing in the advertising dollar. And, and that's really what is is ultimately at stake. We're talking about advertising dollars and how you pay for, for, for good quality journalism. Facebook and Google obviously have made a, made a massive difference uh, uh, to, uh, to the advertising revenues that are available to uh, more conventional uh, news outlets in Australia. This is an effort whether it's through the government or, or through the ACCC, you can imagine that behind the scenes there's been plenty of lobbying from, from all sides, but the government has weighed in firmly on the side of news originators. And so, and, and you know, look, there's, there's a whole lot of problems that come up with this. Basically, Facebook's rep- reply to this has been they say, okay, well, uh, that's fine. We, we just we just we won't include any of that material. If you want us to pay for it, we're not going to pay for it. We won't include any of that material on our platform, and you'll be the losers because you won't have that extra click-through traffic that we would generate for you. And then the other thing that can happen is that you get overseas news sources picking up material on, on Australia, basically you know, taking over that role to some extent or picking up material from secondary sources, uh, which is of interest to, 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 you know, on the local news front for Australians. And then Facebook can get around the ACCC by saying, okay, well, we source that news from overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, there's, there's, so, there's technical issues to how this could be enforced. But, but I guess you know, going back to what the issue is and what's kind of led us to this point, I mean, am I... My understanding of all of this is this, is this is not something that's happened overnight. This has been, I guess, the gradual decay or maybe the steep decay of money in media because prior to the internet, you know, there was, you know, the television channels, there was print media, you know, was, was the main channels for advertisement. So if you wanted to advertise your product and get out to a, a wide network, well, then you would pay 
whether it be you know through a, a, a an ad, you know, like a full page print ad, or maybe it was an advertorial or an interview or something along those lines, you would pay good money, which would go to you know the papers or the TV channels, which they can then pay their their journalists. And since the internet's come along, then there's it's you know almost everybody has become. Uh, an expert or a journalist, you know, and it's, you know, open air quotation marks, you know, they're not not all journalists, but there's people that are creating content online. Some of it is amazing and a lot of it is terrible. And, mm. it, you know, because there is so much content out there, we do need a system like Google or Google itself to be able to determine what is relevant for each particular user. Because the site, when I do a search on Google, the results that come to me are different to the results that will go to somebody else, like yourself, Piers, because right. we have different interests. We're in slightly different locations. Our search histories are, are going to vary, and therefore that is going to influence what is shown to us. So if I'm looking for a particular subject, or even, even if I'm just searching for you know food, if I just type in burgers, for example, it's going to show me results that are specific to the Mornington area, which is where I am. Whereas if I'm in Brisbane or if I'm in uh, in another country, then then it's going to show me within a close range, and that, that's a very simple way of looking at. It. But but Google does so much to determine what is the relevant content that this particular user is looking for based on location, interest, search history, gender, you know. All, all these different things, and, and there's probably a million different um, uh, points at which Google considers and therefore you know, provides content. And what this has meant is that over time, um, news channels probably haven't got the, the results high up in, in the search results. It could be that there might be a blogger which has become uh, quite an authority in the in the space or knows how to game the system, um, Google system, and therefore the, the news uh, page might be third, fourth, fifth result, or maybe not even on the first page. And so with this sort of dilution of, you know, many writers and, and content producers, uh, video producers, et cetera, podcasters even, that are creating content, it's meant that how did news companies continue to pay experts, which, you know, many of them are, they're experts, as you said, they've gone to college, they've, you know, university, they've done a degree, they understand about research, they're, you know, they're fair, they're balanced in, in the most part, and they know how to, to do that research to construct a story that is factual, that will also appeal to their readers. Whereas if you don't have any morals or you've got a strong bias, as, for example, maybe some bloggers, then you pr could produce content that is fake news, um, actual fake news, you know, littered with lies and poorly sourced content, um, or it's just completely made up. And so mm. there is definitely a need to have journalism, people that understand how to research, you know, what to, what to write about and how to construct this and put together. But at the same time, we do need the system in place which allows us to search and then show us that material that is going to be relevant to us. Just because a news media place pays money, you know, pays good money to a journalist and they may write content, doesn't mean that that content is applicable to me specifically. But in parts of, of this overall approach with the ACCC and, and putting this code of conduct uh, together is basically to, to give more power to the media agencies to understand what that code is, how Google, you know, you know, uses its algorithms to, to put that content up, 
And the news media companies can say, well, we know how the system works and therefore we're going to create content to be able to make sure that we get up, you know, in, in the top search results so that these people will start to click on the link and get to our site, which we then have our own ads or we might have a subscription service, which, you know, we generate money or, you know, whether it be through advertisers or from the user. And what that can lead to is also a degrading user experience because if I'm constantly effectively spammed content through this gaming of the system from the media companies, I lose interest and I lose faith that the search results that are in front of me are actually relevant. So, you know, that's one aspect. I understand the need to have quality journalism, but I value probably more strongly an independence with the the way that the algorithms work, not just on Google, it can be Bing or it can be Facebook or any other search engine. Yes, there's going to be, you know, my history that influences that, but it's relevant to me and I don't want somebody gaming that system. We've seen how that works. Well, I've seen how that works in the late 90s and um, early 2000s where people understood the codes of, of search engines and therefore game that and then you were dealt just rubbish, absolute rubbish. And then when Google came along, they improved it, perfected it and kept it secret so people couldn't game it. Do you think that media companies, so the Sydney Morning Herald, for example, if it has a, a news article that appears on Facebook, do you believe that Facebook should pay, or Google, uh, that either of those services should pay a royalty for the fact that that their platforms have been enriched by that content that they haven't actually paid for. The Sydney Morning Herald paid for its journalists to produce an article that finds its way onto those other platforms. And at the moment, there is no royalty system, even micropayments. And, and tellingly, there actually hasn't even been any, any effort to create one. So the ACCC, I mean, maybe they, maybe these, maybe efforts have been made. Well, there, there sort of has been nothing. with the Facebook News kind of platform, which was released in the States. And, and Yes, that's right. Yes, but not in Australia. That's right. And, and they're saying that, you know, the ACCC, you know, it, it's been, well, in the debate around this, it's been suggested that, that that's something that Facebook could do, which would alleviate these concerns from the ACCC. Yeah, look, I, I guess an answer to your question is that I think there probably needs to be a fair payment uh, system in place for any content producer. When, when it comes down to it, if... A user, if a reader enjoys that content, they're going to go back for more. So if there's quality journalism, you know, there's, there's, there are sites that I will uh, read more than I will of others because of mm. inherent bias, whether that be a news channel or whether that be a private website. It doesn't really matter what it is. If I can clearly see that there is a strong bias and that is very opposing to my views, I'm less likely to spend time on there. I will to get a different perspective, but I'm not necessarily going to read it as often. And maybe that's a fault that I have, I don't know, but that's, there's, there's content that I come across, it is dripping with bias that disgusts me. And that could be, uh, whether it be to the very right or the, to, to the very left of, or the political divide or whatever that divide is. Um, mm. I, I do like a fair and balanced opinion but as long as that is also based on fact, um, you can have an opinion about something, of course, but um, don't don't push opinion as fact. And in some cases, some of the um, large media networks can you know push that off, um, or they'll twist 
um, stories, and just like I guess any blogger can do that as well. So, so yes, I do believe that news channels should be compensated, but there is a platform for that somewhat already. I mean, you know, you look at some of the major news outlets online here in Australia, and they do have a subscription model. You might go, to, you know, you might be a snippet of the story in a Google result, mm. and if you click, then you're asked to then pay a subscription. So they do have that. And if that's yep. not working well for them, is that Google's fault or is that the media's fault for not having the the, the sort of the right way to monetize that system? I think yeah, it's more the media. Mm. Look, there's no question that you said it before that the, the you know the likes of Google and Facebook have completely changed the game as as for conventional media and we've seen an erosion over several years of the profitability of being in newspapers. I mean, look at, you know, what. remember the age from um, 15 years ago, the Saturday age or the weekend Australian would be as thick as a telephone book. And I mean, even using the term telephone book is kind of an anachronism mm. uh, these days as well. But, you know, it was a huge wad of newspaper. Like it was thick. Hundreds of thousands of people would get, get copies of these things. So, I mean, the printing presses were, were, were being used in ways that they're no longer used. That was the way that you got your media, and at the back of those were classified advertising, classified advertising, which is the equivalent of of things like Gumtree and eBay, and, uh, and those kind of internet-based services, Craigslist. They don't exist anymore. The newspaper's profitability has fallen because of the internet taking over that role, or, or that the, the immediacy of you know they can't compete. Newspapers can't compete for the immediacy. Well, so we've, we've seen the local some of the local they're, they're, newspapers they're, here have actually then closed down. They're not printing those anymore. Like they've yeah, so right. so it has decimated, no doubt, decimated the, the industry, particularly for the smaller scale ones, uh, but yeah, also and to, even the bigger ones, even the bigger yeah, ones, even, yeah. Even the big ones, I mean, I think News Corporation, they closed a lot of, of the print newspapers earlier this year. Uh, and and that, was, that was not just because of COVID that may have had some impact, but it was actually a, a pre-existing trend that had been going on for ages. And now... What they did was they they didn't actually shut down the 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 source to their to their users and to their readers. They they just put them online because that was a, a better way. It was a way people were consuming. It was just in response to the way people were consuming their news. Um, but it is so it's an existing trend. One thing that's instructive is to look at, at at what the various players are sort of saying to each other about this. Both Google and Facebook have put open letters out. And in Google's open letter, they say that your search data may be at risk. And just quoting from Mel Silver, speaking for Google Australia, you trust us with your data and our job is to keep it safe. Under this law, the ACCC's draft law, uh, Google has to tell news media businesses how they can gain access to data about your use of our products. There's no way of knowing if any data handed over will be protected and how it might be used by news media businesses. And also they, they go on to say that you know that the free services that you get, which aren't completely free because your data is is, is of value to, to Google and that's one of the reasons they offer you things like Gmail and YouTube as free services. Uh, they have advertising, but they also collect data which they on-sell to commercial interests as well, third parties. So that's just part of the deal. We've talked about it before on the program. You're the product. You know, Never forget you're the product. And, and just switching over to Facebook's reply, they've said on their website, uh, quoting Will Easton of uh, Facebook Australia, 
assuming this draft code becomes law, we will reluctantly stop allowing publishers and people in Australia from sharing local and international news on Facebook and Instagram. It's not our first choice, it is our last, but it's the only way to protect against an outcome that defies logic and will hurt, not help, the long-term vibrancy of Australia's news and media sector. So they're arguing that actually they refer people, it's, it's, you know, it's people using their platforms and browsing through their feed on, on, you know, in the morning when they're lying in bed, finding an article uh, on Facebook that they click on that takes them off that, that platform to the likes of The Age or the Sydney Morning Herald or some other news service in Australia. And, and, and so they've benefited from those local news, news originators have benefited yes. from, from Facebook, yeah. uh, sending them that, that business. Uh, and then if there is a paywall... Uh, they're not only have they taken them, they've, they've diverted the traffic to their site, but then they've also got them to a point where they're going to have to pay not not anything to uh, to Facebook or Google, but to the actual originator. So it, it, it's I don't know. It seems like an argument that's kind of late to be to be having this argument. It seems to me strange that they need to go through the ACCC. And surely, if there is a real if there's a commercial deal to be done, micro payments based on number of clicks or number of views, that sort of thing. If there's ways of, of effectively auditing the benefit to all these different players and using that information as a way to calculate a fee. Why not work that out themselves? Why get the ACCC involved in the first place? Yeah, look, and there's, I know and I use that there are ad blockers, for example, and that, that also hurts Google. So this is not just a media thing. But if I, if I search in Google and a news story pops up, well, I click that link and then I end up on the website of that you know, news media channel. So they have an opportunity there to have advertisements for me. Many will be blocked for, for me specifically because I have an ad blocker, but there might there might be an opportunity for me to subscribe um, if I like the news that I'm being shown. Um, I can't remember exactly who does it, but there's a few different companies that might do like a, you know, you have three free articles this month or five free articles yes. or something like that. Heaps of them do it. New York Times, The Age. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, giving so you a taste of the quality of the journalism and perhaps... Perhaps from there, um, you you know want to then subscribe, and but I think it's it's it feels like it's the the media agencies that are trying to drag the digital agencies over towards the archaic model, the archaic system that once worked for them really well, but has been disrupted and doesn't work anymore. This is where journalism is important, but it should be more than just the written word it should be podcasting and it should be video and there needs to be something that captures somebody that gets them into that system that then yes they're subscribing or there's micro payments but i don't see how that should be offered by any of the search engines or the social media channels it should be those channels that are directing the links and the the clicks over to the networks uh, the media websites themselves and once they're in that system then they can generate their own revenue and that seems to be happening more and more anyway. You know, you see the number of um, of Twitter f- posts or or Facebook posts that wind up on news corporation websites or on the Sydney Morning Herald website or even on the nightly news on on TV on free to air television. 
there's a lot of traffic going in both directions, stuff that originates on social media going into these into these conventional, you know, old school, if you like, uh, news services that we have in Australia just, and around the world. So it's kind of travelling in both directions. It's not a one-way path. But I find that really, really lazy journalism when it's, um, you know, you've got news stories, whether it be in print or video, or when it's putting up a tweet and discussing a couple-minute segment about what someone has tweeted, whether it be the President of the United States has tweeted this and they make a full news segment. I kind of see that that's a bit, it's a bit lazy. Um, there should be more to that because anybody could do this. If they're saying, well, we're quality journalists, well, then be that. Don't just have, yeah, uh, don't re, well, you know, regurgitate some, you know, social media posts. There's another podcast that I've done on this issue because I think it's a really big issue. It's an important issue. And it doesn't, it's not just, you know, apply, applying in Australia. It's There's other governments around the world and other regulators around the world watching what happens with the ACCC versus Facebook and Google. And it's, a, it's being seen as a test case. And you could argue that that's why Facebook has pushed back so strongly. Uh, Google is lobbying hard. Their alleged concern is that their special source, you know, the stuff that that proprietary information you were referring to before about how search works and how, how data is gathered on users and how the search results you get are different to mine. That's highly sensitive commercial and confidence information that that Google is and Facebook are very reluctant to share with anyone. They don't want they don't want to be revealing those trade secrets that that make their their mediums and their platforms so powerful. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Interesting on that, I'll just I'll just quickly say that one of the things is that part of the ACCC sort of draft is that there should be a 28-day advance notice or a waiting period before changes can be made to the, the system. So what that's basically saying is that if Google uses their algorithm to show content and then they need to adjust that in some way, they would need to give a 28-day advance notice to the media channels so that those channels can then update their systems. But what that means is then there's still a period, about a month, where there's potential fraud or spam that can go on during that time and therefore can slow down how that search operates. So this degrades the user experience very rapidly. On their website, Facebook says... The proposed law is unprecedented in its reach and seeks to regulate every aspect of how tech companies do business with news publishers. Most perplexing, it would force Facebook to pay news organisations for content that the publishers voluntarily place on our platforms and at a price that ignores the financial value we bring publishers. One of the things that about this is the government has been talking about wanting to regulate social media and the importance of doing that. One of the things that highlighted that was, I think it was in March 2019, there was that terrible shooting by an Australian gunman at two mosques in Christchurch. And that was live streamed on Facebook. There were calls around the world to say, we have to regulate the way social media works. We can't provide platforms for crazy people and terrorists to commit these kind of atrocities. So that, so there's been a push to regulate and control the influence of Facebook. I mean, we've talked about on, on beyondinfinity.com.au, you and I talked about people staging their, their suicides and, 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 and live streaming suicides. Uh, there was a famous one, I think, of a, a, a you know, terrible story of someone who jumped in front of a train in France, I believe. And that was, was one of the early examples of live streaming of a suicide. And so there's, there's a push to regulate 
social media. There's also been uh, accusations of political bias against Facebook and their role, you know, the Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica scandal. These were all very damaging things for, for Facebook in particular. You know, they got dragged in front of Congress. There was a lot of negative press that went against these social platforms because of either the irresponsible use of their platforms to allow people to do these sort of heinous or, or very unfortunate uh, violent acts, or to even arguably allow very extremist views to receive a big airing and to get a lot of following, which they wouldn't normally have been given, particularly through conventional news outlets. Mm-hmm. There is so much hate that goes on online. It is disgusting. It's upsetting as well. You know, mm. go to any comment section, or whether it be a YouTube video or a Facebook post or any other social media channel, and there's going to be not just opposing points of view, but degrading and sexist, uh, homophobic, aggressive, mm. you, you name it. There's going to be those kind of comments in there. And there are a lot of people that feel that they can just say what they like from their keyboard and then be able to get away with it. Well, and they do. And, and they, they do. do. A lot of them, many, 99.99% will just get away with it. But those mm. same people probably wouldn't speak like that in front of another person. It's just there's a comfort in the keyboard. And perhaps these opinions are not even real strong opinions, but it's the context that's read is not understood or it might be interpreted by the reader in a, in a different way um, or it's just a lot of trolling as well. I mean, there's, you know, it's very difficult at times to work out what is someone's true strong opinion about something, what is someone that is hateful and hurtful or who is trolling. There's a very blurry lines in there. So I do agree that there needs to be a mechanism to... I don't know if it's monitor or, or basically register. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but something which does put a real name back to a user on a computer, whether it be an IP address or a, a digital signature of some kind. You know, maybe it's like a, um, a blockchain type uh, scenario. And if you're shown to be doing the wrong thing, well, then you cut off. Um, you know, maybe there's some merit in the um, in the Chinese system, and I'm not advocating for the the full Chinese system, but maybe there's some merit in uh, how they, uh, you know, utilise their their system. That if you do the wrong thing, then you're cut off from the internet, or you can't use particular services. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then again, who well, who places that? Because well, the police exactly. themselves can have a bias. So this this is where it gets very difficult. It, it opens a can of worms. But, I mean, it, it certainly, you know, you talked about the, the ex, ex, extremism that is so much of a feature on exchanges that happen on Facebook or on, on different social media, or even on Twitter. Part of the reason why people take extreme positions is because they get lots of clicks. You know, it's like clickbait on anywhere you see it, but even on even on these uh, these so-called traditional news outlets, the likes of the Sydney Morning Herald or the Age or, or or News Corporation, you know, newspapers that have gone online, they use clickbait. It's like a catchy headline was on on a, on a newspaper used to be. Well, that's now that's basically called clickbait now. And 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 so extremism, extreme views, extreme positions, violence under Unfortunately, these are things that do attract people's attention. So you wind up building big followings. Facebook, I think it has to be said that one reason they may have allowed quite a lot of, of extreme stuff to be permitted onto their platform is because it's it served, it generated clicks because it, 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 it's, it polarizes, but it also generates lots of, of views because people are, you know, people are, people are attracted to violence. You know, Look, I'm fairly convinced where there's posts on Facebook 
the comments that are shown are the opposite views to what I see. So, if I, for example, there might be a news story when I mean, we're going through uh, at present stage four lockdown in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, which basically means we're not allowed out of the house unless it's for a valid reason. Um, I won't go into all those now, but what that's basically meant is you've got you've got angry people online, and a lot of it is and can be warranted, I guess. But when I see that there is a news article being posted on Facebook, then automatically the first or second comment is generally the opposing point of view that I would have. And this is a fairly consistent theme. I think this is probably to generate this you know, interaction from me to Facebook. You know, it wants me to get in there and reply back and say, and, and, and almost be hurtful and hateful because sometimes the, uh, the comments that I see are uh, very full on, very strange. I almost have to say something to say, this is so wrong. And I wonder if maybe somebody on the other side of the political divide is seeing the complete opposite comment, um, which they then have, they feel the need to comment on. So this is how I think that Facebook is able to generate engagement because they call it engagement, but it's it, it can be, you know, anger and it's butting of heads. But what it basically means is that there's conversation that's happening and then there's, you know, the, the keys are being tapped. And so that's good for Facebook. Is that good for your sanity? Probably not. So I, I do give up a lot on the um, the Facebook comments. Like if I, I tend to see a couple of comments that I don't agree with and I'm like, okay, that's fine. There are plenty of idiots that want to write this. I don't need to engage with this and I just move on to the next thing. And I think the majority of people would do that, but obviously there are people that are caught up into this, this you know, the feel the need to try and whether it would be correct somebody else or provide an opposing point of view or troll or get angry or whatever that happens to be. So this that is Facebook's kind of MO. Put up divisive content in front of the user and see um, how they play. Facebook's apparently employed thousands of people to actually edit their their platforms. Twitter has things now, which uh, you know, there's even been tweets from Donald Trump, which have actually been flagged by by Twitter as you know, this is misinformation or this is incitement to violence, that kind of stuff. So, so there are some measures being taken by social media platforms to regulate the material that's posted there. And, and obviously that, that tragedy at Christchurch with the, the mosque shootings uh, in 2019 was a wake-up call or another wake-up call and, and was reacted to. And, you know, at least initially, the social media organisations did cooperate with governments when, when governments said, look, enough is enough. We can't have your platforms being used for this purpose, you know, because it's it's spreading hate. It's spreading... Extremist know, opinion uh, and views, yeah. Extremist opinion yeah. And, and, and seeing and the, and the perception that violence is, is some kind of solution to these. These, these sort of differences that people may, may have and feel. But look, coming back to the uh, the ACCC, so I mean, I think that there's a whole lot of things that that kind of spin off from this, which we've been touching on. But in essence, just summing up our conversation, we, we have seen a, a very consistent and gradual but overwhelming change in the media landscape in the last 25 years since the you know advent of the internet, since things started going online, news services started going online. 
the role of social media has just you know has got bigger and bigger and bigger and and now uh, you know you know if I wanted to get information on the ground if I want to find out what's going on right now then I won't actually use a, a, a conventional media source like a, a newspaper of some description that's now gone online so the Sydney Morning Herald or the Washington Post or the Times in London because if I want something that's timely there's so much filtering and time that's spent in actually getting a journalist to research that story you know edit it write it up then post it by the time it's it's actually hit an online news service the news is very likely old news mm. so increasingly people who want to get news who really want to find out what's happening on the ground right now they will use social media they'll use twitter if there's been something of, of, of great interest to me happening in you know on the streets of detroit well i'm going to find i'll go, first well, look, go, to, look, go to twitter look at a search for look at beirut only a month ago i mean that was when you know, down at the wharf, there was the massive explosion. Thousands of homes have been destroyed. There's been lives lost. It has been terrible for them. Now, when this happened, I woke up in the morning and I did have a message through WhatsApp on my phone, through one of my friends. Uh, they were linking to a, a, a social media link, Imgur link, which had a video of the, uh, you know, the explosion happening. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, hang on, what's happened here? And I then spent the next 20 minutes looking through social media posts from whether it be tweets or Reddit or Facebook, trying to find out what's going on here, what's happened. And it was only then, you know, hours later when the, the news stories were coming out, where you actually started to understand what had happened. And then days later and then weeks later with the you know further investigations that have happened to actually understand that. So Social media provides that immediacy with getting an answer if there's a major event that's happening because you can there might be people that are seeing it directly, such as Beirut. There might be the you know whoever it's happening to might have a Twitter account and tweeting that. So it's not being filtered. It's not going through that news channel, and therefore that is the power and can be the power of social media. Where a journalist is helpful is actually helping to understand and doing that investigation and analysing. And, and, you know, look at the example of Beirut. Well, a journalist can then discover, well, why was this material here? What, you know, what led up to that? What was the political atmosphere, you know, that, that allowed this to happen? Was it a corrupt government? Or, you know, all of these kind of things is where good journalism comes from and not just the average Joe blogger who makes up some kind of conspiracy theory about this was a an attack from a different country or, you know, something along those lines. You know, journalism has its place and definitely should continue to have its place. But going down this path with, with the ACCC and trying to change the way that a search algorithm works or how it's displayed in social media is not the right approach to have a fair and balanced internet because that then puts more and too much of the power into the news media uh, channels to make them in control about what we see. And then that is where I think we have a problem because we then start to get bias, um, you know, filtering too much into the channels that, um, that we've come to agree that there is bias, yes, but it does at least give you the opportunity to, to look around through other news outlets or bloggers um, and form your own opinion as well. So... It's a, it's a difficult thing going forward. I mean, maybe there's an opportunity. Why not have the, the news channels? Maybe this is uh, there's a law around this and maybe a listener can provide some uh, help on this. But maybe there's 
you know, ha- have a, a media outlet become an internet service provider, for example. So if you want to, you know, if you want cheap access to the internet, you know, we'll give you at half the price, internet at half the price, you would normally get it through a normal provider, but then that comes along with, uh, you know, your homepage may be always set to this particular media channel. Yeah. Or a free, a free subscription. And, uh, or a free subscription or something, yeah. And that kind of thing does actually happen. I mean, you know, I mean, Foxtel which is one of the big uh, you know, pay TV channels in Australia, a big chunk of that's owned by a news corporation. So there's kind of, you know, there's, I mean, the, the ways that the influence is probably subtle, but there, there's certainly, or there are examples of, of news originators who also own, who own uh, service providers. Mm. If people want to have a look at this and, and give us their thoughts, uh, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an important debate that, that's being had in Australia now and will have, have repercussions around the world. Some people argue that taking the, the locally generated news off the Australian Facebook and, and, and Google services won't actually damage those, those big American social platforms uh, and, and search platforms at all. And that it is purely about carving up advertising dollars or, or stopping that inexorable shift of advertising dollars away from local producers of, of, of news media. And I do have some sympathy for the idea that if you've got trained and paid journalists producing quality work, you need to sustain that system. If you, if you take all the money out of it because, because of advertising going uh, to uh, big social media organisations and, and search companies then there is a risk that you you don't have quality journalism but i also think that this is kind of an an inevitable thing that's happening anyway mm. and the fact that i can source my news by other means and if facebook and, and google lost uh, any any news service uh, from australia being allowed to to be shown uh, because they refuse to pay for it so if they have anything there at all uh, it'll then fall under this a triple c uh, rule that that shortfall which Australian users of social media and Google feel will be picked up by overseas news services which aren't covered so it's it's a technical problem as well it's like you know even if, yeah, if they can't so, come so, to an agreement then mm. Facebook and Google and the other social media platforms are basically going to say well we're just not going to show your content we're just not going to allow people to share it well, we're not going to link saying. to it yeah that's that's going to be and they don't want to get to that and that mm. itself will mean that would be disastrous, I think, for these media channels. So, look, it is. I can see that is a big, you know, a big tactic, a big play for them to say, well, you know, if you, if we can't work together, then those digital channels are going to basically say, well, we're just not going to play by your rules. Uh, therefore, we won't let you, um, you know, play in our rules at all. So we we won't display your content at all. You can go to this, have a look at yourself, ACCC.gov.au. It is seeking to address that fundamental bargaining power imbalance between Australian news media businesses and major digital platforms. It's an attempt to address the imbalance that is posed by these enormous multinational companies, the likes of Google and Facebook that are that are bigger than any listed company in Australia their control of advertising, their, their near monopoly um, over advertising because of the power of those algorithms, the power to present you with search that's tailored to you, with advertising that's tailored to you, is is such a powerful force that unless you have a legislative force that's that's put in there to act on the side of local producers and local journalists, then you just have them being swamped and that continuation of the demise of, of journalism in favour of citizen journalism but the argument could also be that 
that that's that's happening anyway. And mm. that this is really this is really an argument about nothing because it's it's all the horse is bolted and and there's no turning it back and the technology is actually going to dictate the outcome of this. You know, if 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 I can't get Australian news on my Facebook feed, I'll get I'll get international news which will include Australian news. Yes. Yeah. Look, I I do think there probably needs to be some stronger regulation, you know, going back to that extremist point of view that, um, you know, we were sort of talking about earlier. There needs to be Mm. stronger regulation on articles or content that is on the the digital platforms because, you know, the the amount of money that these social media companies and Google make is, it's just insane. But they make their money through, you know, the advertisements, I mean, many different ways. But if somebody has a website, that has an extremist point of view, they can put an ad up on Google, for example. They can pay money to go into their ad platform to then send people to their website. Now, in some cases, you know, there is a sort of a code of conduct which will, you know, Google will basically say, no, look, you know, this is hateful, hurtful, and we, we won't show this ad. But I'm sure that there are ways to game that system or allow people through. Yeah. But the issue with that is, is that that is a self-governed system for the most part. This is where if there was some kind of stronger regulation on what kind of content or how that content is displayed or managed, or there was an oversight committee um, on all of this, an independent auditor that managed this as well, I think that then means that there's rather than Google just all you know I'm, I'm saying Google but I'm basically talking about any of these companies rather than just accepting effect- effectively all the money for almost anything then the, if there is a question mark over an, an ad they won't accept that money it may mean overall they earn less money less revenue but if it can improve the system and therefore there's less hate or hurt it is a very broad topic and that's why it's very difficult to be specific about this right now and it's probably yeah, a topic well, where we could have many different discussions about how this operates well that's right it's and it's still it is in draft state at the moment the uh, consultation period uh, concluded on the 28th of august final legislation is expected to be introduced to parliament you know keep an eye out once we've got the final legislation before Parliament, we'll be able to comment more precisely on the detail. Mm. There may well be some adjustments that have been made in response to objections from social media platforms, from the from the news, uh, local news originators. It is an important balance to get right. We don't want to tie the hands of social media. We don't want to restrict what people are able to say through those platforms too much. But at the same time, it also comes down to protecting quality journalism and how do you define quality journalism? How do you define news now? What is news? Well, news is news is is, is actually what I post on Twitter. If it's if it's a hard news story and no one else has seen it, well, me me putting it on Twitter before anyone else that makes it news. Sure. So the, the very definition of news has changed. John, uh, very good to speak to you. Let's keep this conversation open. We would uh, love to hear from people. Check out our website, beyondinfinity.com.au. You'll find links to our social media there. We do always welcome feedback from listeners, your input on this uh, this hot issue about the regulation of social media in Australia and how to perhaps address what some regard as a uh, clear imbalance, a power imbalance between the local originators of news stories and the big social platforms that are based in America. This is a debate where all input is welcome. That that whole issue of how do you fund journalism and what is journalism? These are are interesting subjects. 